Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 216. And today we are here with John Ludwig Jr. Did I what's say it right? You got it, man. You got it. Uh, first, yeah. first go, and then you cleared it right up. I love it, bro. So <laughs> you, uh, so you made the trip all the way from New Hampshire just to podcast with us. That's it, man. I love it. <laughs> Been up for 30 hours and haven't slept yet. <laughs> so uh, before we get started, man, just uh, give us a quick, um, brief su- summary of who you are and what you do. Man. I know I'm, that's a loaded question. Yeah, it is. I know. And I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of asking those same loaded questions to other people. And I know what I'm getting myself into. Man, I, I do a handful of things. But my, my day-to-day routine is I own a laser cutting and laser engraving business called Night Laser. Very cool. And so that's kind of, for the last six years now, been my, my day job. Yeah. Sole proprietor type deal. You know, just a one-man operation uh, in New Hampshire. But um, but I'm in the cars. That's like my main thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm real close with my father, and we kind of it started from him. I've got that similar story. Without digging too deep into that right now, mm-hmm. it's, it's I've got that typical story of dad was into muscle cars, and I got into cars, and so yeah, that's my main hobby. But it kind of turned into kind of turned into a job of sorts. You know, buy mm-hmm. a car, modify it, have fun with it, take it to some shows, sell it, make some money, put it yeah, in another yeah, project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's another aspect. Uh, I'm a musician, so I've got like a recording studio at home, and I like I like writing like soundtrack style yeah. music. So I, yeah, I've just I you, you touch all spectrums. Yeah, kind of. It's basically because I get bored easily, and I've got a lot of ADD. So, yeah. Um, I don't have like one particular answer for that question. It's just that's good though. I do a handful of things. Yeah, that's good. Or have you ever been diagnosed with ADD? Yeah, when I was in like I don't know eighth grade or something. Oh really? Yeah, and and. And, you know, they, they put you through those tests where you got to, like, draw a figure eight on the chalkboard and you got to call out which way your your hand is going, like left or right. Uh-huh. And then the teacher will tell you to switch. So you're going, oh, you can't. How can you do that? Left, right, left, right. And then they go switch and you got to, like, be on the ball. Well, how do you tell the alphabet backwards? I don't know. Do you know Z, it? Z, <laughs> Y, X. I'm sober w. as a as a, as a, as a sober <laughs> right now. I can never do it backwards. Yeah. It's and, crazy. And so, yeah, the teacher was like, yeah, he's got ADD. And basically the dynamic between my parents were, my mom was like, well, what can we do to help? And they're like, oh, we can give him Ritalin. And my dad's like, he don't need no medication. He'll be fine. So that's it. But that's kind of, yeah, in a nutshell, why I bite off more than I can chew. Yeah, I say that because um, I might have something of that as well, dude. I can never stop and I can yeah. never leave well enough alone. But that's, I mean, I think that's important for people who, I mean, clearly you've, you've stepped, I mean, we just met each other 10 minutes ago, but <laughs> it's clear already just by getting the tour through here that, yeah, you, you kind of, yeah, you can't sit still, you go after it and, and it, it works. I mean, yeah. I've started a podcast too. And like, I feel like, I feel like I've got my own umbrella and I'm cramming too much stuff under it. Yeah. Like, it works. It works with everything else I'm doing. And then they don't they don't make any more time in a day. Yeah. And that's the hardest part, I guess. Yeah, I, I love that, dude. The umbrella. Uh, that's exactly what we're doing here. You know, um, yep. Downstar is the umbrella and everything else under it is just things that I consider fun. Exactly. And I want to try can, to fit. You can label it. Yeah, and kind of make it yeah the same the same entity. Which oh is really yeah, cool. no, definitely, man. And yeah. that's that's something that like entrepreneur you really don't understand that until you jump into it. And you're like, well, if I like skateboarding and I already have this business that's going, but it's totally something different. I can probably mix it in somehow. Right. And then you just start to figure out like once you're skating, then everybody in the car industry is like, oh yeah, I used to skate too. I used to that's skate too. It. Like. Okay, yeah, let's mix it all together. Yep, yeah, so it's, it's funny because even just last night, uh, a friend of mine's girlfriend was like, 
so are you an entrepreneur? And I was like, ah, oh, like I hate that word. But if you define it as that, yeah, cancer is still just trying to do, try to make your hobbies a job, you know, or a business in a yeah. way. So yeah, yeah, I guess by default that's what we are. Have you uh, have you just recently started to hate the word, or it's always been something? I think Instagram made me hate it. Yeah, me too. Because it because it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's like a, I don't know. It's like a trendy thing now. Yeah. Where it's like people watch a bunch of Gary Vee videos and they're like, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. Because I went into my basement I went to the yard and sold sale. a bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah, man, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I am what I am. I won't label it. If someone's like, it sounds like you're an entrepreneur. I'm like, okay. I, I, I like to be called a hustler, dude. Yeah. That's my yeah. thing. Yeah. Take nothing and make it something. That's it. It's not going to, it's not going to show up on your doorstep. Yeah. You hell know? yeah. You're not going to sit down and watch it come to you. So... The reason that we got here is from uh, Christian from Can I Beat. Mr. Loza. This is why I love this guy, right? He texted me yesterday and he texted me about you and he said, hey, my buddy's coming into town. You should check him out. Maybe you guys could podcast or something. I'm like, all right, let me check him out. And I looked and I was like, yeah, I'm down for it. You know? Yeah. So then I hit him up and then uh, I text you, text me this morning and we made it happen, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. So we haven't even been informed of each other before for the now. last 24 hours exactly <laughs> and yeah. i love it bro this, this is awesome yeah and i, I, mean, I just it, drove man. an hour and a half here from like san fernando area <laughs> and but like i said when i first came in here like took 126 through the mountains through the valley at you know at sunset yeah. watching the sunset as i'm coming up to the ocean like i'm from new hampshire I, I've, tr I've been here a lot but yeah. we've got like snow on the ground back home so this was just the drive here was just you know yeah yeah this wasn't planned until probably two hours ago i love it because i was like i don't know what the plan is today <laughs> and some stuff fell through and now we're here so i love it bro. I, yeah i'm all about the spontaneity <laughs> of it, all of it you know so. it's gonna be a great one and it's gonna drop on monday too oh cool we're quick man talking about hustle <laughs> yeah so uh what brings you into california so um man so the last month now i've been trying to find an excuse to get out here and uh drive either drive out here or drive back and without going into too much detail this time last year early september last year i had a uk market right hand drive uh, e23 bmw 7 series Ooh. that i that i like went through the whole thing it was in performance bmw magazine fast car magazine featured it was kind of like a it was a full project i had going what on. year is that 81 okay so wow. this was the last of the shark nose bmws where the front grill came to like a point yes that's what they called it like a shark nose like it had these extreme angles to the kidney grill in the front the e23 had a facelift had a facelift model shortly after my 81 where they did away with the shark nose same chassis car but they gave it like a full plastic grill in the front and rounded the front off and still a beautiful car but it didn't have that shark nose like vintage bmw look mm -hmm. this was in cypress green which was a color we didn't get here in the states uh i searched all of europe and found a full original bbs body kit for it which was super rare for the 7 series because it's a big flagship car not everybody saved the motorsport stuff for those cars but anyway long story short a gentleman in here in los angeles or down in los angeles was purchasing it and he had purchased a car off me the year prior. And I, the car that I sold him the year prior, I just shipped out to him. And I said, if it's all the same to you, I'd like to drive this one out to you. Hmm. And he was just like, whatever. Because that car, it's, it's BMW's flagship. It was, a, it was a manual car too, which was kind of rare because it was a fully optioned 7 Series with all the frills, which is normally an automatic, you know, because mm -hmm. nobody wants to shift gears. 
but the guy that bought the card new ordered it with a five-speed manual with all the options and so it was just a fun car to drive and i always talked about wanting to drive it coast to coast in yeah. my ownership so here's the perfect opportunity the guy wow. the guy in la wanted to sell it and so uh two buddies of mine and i my buddy kyron burnt who shoots for speed hunters came mm -hmm. on the trip and we did the we, we did the whole thing for speed hunters as well and um and drove out and I've got an automotive brand called the Governor's Club, mm -hmm. and we can go into that later too. But basically what I did was every city along the way, we did Governor's Club pop-up meets. Very so we, we tried cool. to make it fun and a little bit more interactive with people along the way. So with my laser engraving business, I made uh, these genuine leather key rings uh, that said like 2019 Governor's Club tour across America. And mm -hmm. I had shirts made and we did some key rings. So these were available at all of our pop-up meets. And so we did the trip out and delivered the car. And to add, and we're going to come full circle. I, I'm really good at bunny trailing, but That's we're coming good. full circle to why I'm here now. <laughs> and from LA, I flew to Seattle and picked up one of my all-time bucket list dream cars, which was um, the extended wheelbase, one of 430 ever built Toyota Centuries. So I've got the long wheelbase Toyota Century. And again, long story short, that, that car was Japan's flagship you know, the Imperial family rode in that car, wow. members of the Yakuza. The Century was never available outside of Japan from the get-go in 1967. That was like Japan's only car. Toyota Does the flagship. door open by itself? No, not at the old ones. The new ones maybe mm. do or something. But um, but I picked that car that had just come in like a year prior to Seattle and we drove that from Seattle, 3,200 miles clear across America <laughs> home, doing the same thing on the way home. We did pop-up meets in the north. We did, wow. we did Seattle, Montana, Wyoming, Omaha, Chicago, Buffalo, Boston, you're on the way home. Wow. So, so I, I suffer from wanderlust. Like I just, I always like being on the road. So with this year being the year of COVID and the pandemic and everybody's kind of been, we haven't been traveling like we want to or whatever. Coming into this fall, I was like, I really want to hit the road again. So coming back full circle, I wanted to do some sort of trip with my podcast too. I wanted to bring my podcast gear. It's like a mobile style mm -hmm. setup. And and what happened was, was a buddy of mine out here uh, has a first generation Q45, the G50, which is the Nissan president in Japan. And I've owned one of those before and I love the car. And he said, you know, he we worked out a deal for the car and he goes, why don't you just fly here and we'll drive it, we'll drive it back to New Hampshire. Now we're like kind of under snow and salt and sleet and as is most of the Midwest and Northeast and all that stuff now at this point in the year. But what we decided to do is since he rides BMX, I ride BMX, um, we can also get into that at some point too. Yeah, but, hell yeah. But um, we're a couple of washed up pros. And, uh, <laughs> and what we decided to do was uh, not only just drive this vintage Q45, you know, across America home to New Hampshire, where I'll then you know, it'll become one of my projects. I'll either bag it or do suspension and wheels. It's something subtle, just a nice cruiser gotcha, car gotcha, and gotcha. then sell it. So already I'm trying to like hype that up as part of the story where it's like the car will be available to one of you guys, you know, when I'm done with it type deal. But we're going to do a skate park tour yeah. as well. So it's, you know, I, I'd say old timers, but old timers for the sport. Yeah. Because you know, kids at 10 years old are now. <laughs> but we're going to, yeah, we're going to do a skate park tour heading east and, uh, and so it's, it's just something that we're going to document. And that's why I'm here this time. Is, yeah. Uh, we're going to hit the road on Monday and uh, yeah, try to get it done before Thanksgiving as long as the car cooperates and everything goes swimmingly on the that's road. That's crazy, bro. Yeah, I'm excited. All, all of this stuff that you're saying right now is crazy. <laughs> it's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, I wish I could so, go with you. So it's, if we had, we should add a few more cars to the list. <laughs> yeah, because when we drove the Century back home last year, I mean, the extended wheelbase Century, and I still own that car, uh, it's, it's, it's a car I searched 
the world for for like eight years, ten wow. years maybe, off and on. Like if I sold a project car and I had some money for a new project, I'd like I'd make a hard push to find a Century, a long wheelbase one. So uh, the long wheelbase ones, like I said, they only built a few hundred of. So those are the real hard ones to find. But boy, oh boy, was that car a comfortable car to drive cross country? Very because cool. it's got the extended wheelbase. So in the back seat, basically the owner sits in the back seat of that car, reclining, massaging rear seats. You've got you've got fold out desks. You've got a electric partition window, electric curtains. Wow. Um, you've got heated and chilled cup holders. This is ninety one too. By That's the way. insane. Ninety one. It's got the ice box, ice maker, um, two TVs, VCR, audio recorder. Uh, it's got like so much technology, and it. it's got fiber optic lighting and auto dimming headlights, and it's it's got a four liter V eight, a Hemi V eight that they designed just for that car. So it's like this really cool Toyota Hemi V eight that they put in that thing, and it's a really cool car, but. Driving that thing cross country was super, super comfortable. What did that uh, retail for? Boy, it was in the six figures. Mm. That that that, ex- that extended wheelbase car. Yeah, it, and I don't know for sure. So I, I I've always wanted to know. There's some like speculative numbers on the internet. There's more information about the short wheelbase cars because they built that car from '67 to '97 and hardly changed the body. Yeah. So that that car stayed relatively looking the exact same for a 30 year production span. But the last seven years of that production span is when they started making an extended wheelbase. Gotcha. Just a few a year that ultimately ran rounded out to like 430 or something. So the extended wheelbase ones were like cars almost like the Ferrari F40, where you almost had to like be somebody mm. at the beginning to be able to buy one. They weren't at the Toyota lots or whatever so you kind of had to be like some business ceo or a member of the yakuza or a member of the imperial family or something like that yeah so it was a motorcade like yeah like luxury car so i i don't know but i'm pretty sure it was a six-figure car in the 90s Dude, very cool man you know um i i like gained a appreciation for the technology and the comfort in January, in January, we went to Auto Salon. And, oh, cool. Um, we, That's been a bucket list thing. Oh, dude, you got to go, bro. Man. It's so yep. amazing. And yep. we were actually hanging out with uh, some Speed Hunter guys uh, with, with Ben. And, yep, I know um, Ben and Mark. And Mark, yeah. Yep, so we were Ryan, hanging out Ryan with Stewart. them. And uh, we were with my buddy Robbie and, uh, from CSF. Okay. Yep. He knows them. Yep. And uh, Robbie's like, hey, you want to go uh, hang out with my guys? All right, cool. And we go there, and then they're in a, a Rolls Royce Phantom. Yes, I was like, yes. "Oh man, I've never been in one before." Could have the celestial head headliner. Oh, dude, <laughs> oh, <laughs> those my things God. are nuts, bro. Once we get into that car, dude, that changed my mind. After that, like my dream car was always just like a Ferrari Lambo or something. Yeah, yeah. And after yeah, I yeah. got in that, I was like, "I want a Rolls Royce, dude." It's a whole new world. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. getting a Rolls Royce. Bro. It's a small world too, man. Because like, because I go to I go to England every summer for the Players Classic show. My friend mm-hmm. Jam. Carl put that show on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and Ben, Ryan Stewart, all the scene media boys are there because they're like they're basically the Speed Hunters guys. Now. Yeah. And um and yeah, good dudes. Hell yeah. Ryan dude. Stewart's brother actually works with works at CSF, and yeah, it's a small family out there. So it really is, cool. man. This this automotive community is tiny. It's tiny. Dude. It yeah. is. I mean, yeah, we know Christian. We clearly know the scene media boys. Yeah. yeah. It's a small world. Yeah. It's a small so world. Uh, so yeah, like I was saying with Christian, bro, he's the reason that I'm even doing the podcast. Because I was on his podcast probably around June-ish, 2018. Yep. And he came to the shop. We did it right here. And he brought his whole studio in his backpack. Right. You know, so before that, podcasting to me was this. A studio. And I didn't have this. I didn't know how to even get to this. But then he came and he did it. And then once the episode was up, I was like, wait. 
that's all it was dude he's like yeah so he gave me his whole list of everything to buy i bought it and i was just like dude i'm gonna start podcasting that's awesome and i just never looked back ever since then dude you know what's crazy is i have the same exact story <laughs> so and and i wish and i know christian's busy life gets in the way a lot i wish he was like still i wish he was pumping them out like once yeah. a week. it gets hard i mean i'm i'm a month right now without getting one out and we can talk about that too because I, I had a lot of really cool stuff going on with the the century but yeah but it was the same deal. Uh, he had me, I was his second episode and it was during first class fitment 2017. Gotcha, so we literally gotcha. set up in the hotel uh, the day before the show at first class. And um, I had listened to podcasts. I wasn't that really into it. Uh, I'm a musician myself, so I like listening to music. If I'm on a long drive, I didn't really want to listen to somebody talk. But I'm a history nerd and I like listening to like technical stuff. I like engineering. I like all that sort of stuff. So. It was easy for me to listen to the podcast when I did listen to him. And then same deal. Christian asked if I wanted to be on his podcast. And he'd only done, I think Nick Kraft uh, from Maryland was like the first one. And then I was the second one. And so he was still trying to find his rhythm too. I'd never been on a podcast before. Mm -hmm. And then uh, after that, I really started like listening to more podcasts. And same deal. I thought, man, like I'm always the chatterbox in my friend group. I'm always telling stories. And I'm always getting really into stories and I'm always like asking people like what they think about certain things. And, yeah. and that's a podcast, Yeah, you know, like you're standing in a parking lot at a car meet with like 20 people and you're just telling stories. Yeah. That's a podcast. So same deal. I did Christians and I was like, the gear started turning after that. And I Hell was like, yeah. all right, let's do it. So that's a big shout out to Christian because we're both doing podcasts now because of him. Yeah, man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that that says a lot about him as well, because the information that he had to gather to find out what mics, what recorder, what everything. Right, to, right. He did a lot of research on that. And for him to just be able to 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 hand that over to me and just kind of give me the, the blueprint of it. Right. I, dude, I appreciate that so much. And even to this day, like just the alley-oop to have you come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, bro, there's not that many people like that in this industry. Right. You know, everybody right. wants to just hold Be it exclusive. to themselves. Yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. But I I feel like the more that you put out there, the more that will come back to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and it's it reciprocates, you know, like like it's not like you're sharing information. You're just like existing in the community. You know? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean it, it's awesome. So let's talk about your podcast. What's the name of it? Right now it's called Purpose and Passion. Okay. Uh, the purpose and passion podcast. And I say right now only because I've been like, I've been considering lately changing it to like my name. Mm -hmm. And I hate the idea of that. I, I, I don't want it to seem vain. I hate, mm. I hate the idea of self promotion. I don't like that, but I always struggle with names. Like I just like, like names of bands I've been in or names of businesses or projects or brands or whatever. And I always second guess it. Once you launch I'm like, no, I don't like mm. that name. And so I struggle with that a lot. But the one thing that'll always remain constant is my my last name. Yeah. So I was like, well, to most other people who don't know my last name or ever speak it much, it'll just sound like, you know, the Ludwig podcast or something like that. Yeah. I don't hear it like that because it's my last name. But as of right now, any episodes that are pr like are currently up on, you know, YouTube and Spotify mm -hmm. and iTunes, et cetera, is uh, the Purpose and Passion podcast. But yeah, I'm in the middle of this weird echo chamber right now like trying to like figure out if i want to change the name or not well your name is very unique dude if this was the frank garcia podcast i don't that's know that's not that's got a good ring to it <laughs> that could be ring. in this area here that could be a thousand people's <laughs> podcast yeah so okay i get it <laughs> 
can't be that dude. yeah i get that i guess yeah so um what what is your vision for the podcast is it just a just a fun project or yeah it started as that it started as that because basically i understood i understood that i was the guy in like my friend group and beyond that was always like talking about stories and because i have like the itch to travel all the time i feel like i've got stories upon stories oh hell yeah yeah and and in my time writing bmx professional years ago i was traveling full-time with that so i i i just wanted to i didn't want to do all the talking although i knew that solo episodes or whatever it it was going to turn into that at some point or another here and there at least but i always wanted to lift up and promote my friends that i Mm. felt like were like really interesting or smart or both. And that was kind of the beginning of it was to not self-promote. Yeah, to fit it under that umbrella we were talking about, you know, fit it under the umbrella of like the YouTube channel that I just started. And like, I feel like I'm late to all of this stuff. But in 2020 was the beginning of the podcast. And then we were what, three months in and everything stopped this year. So it's been a tough year to do all that stuff. But that the overall vision was to basically while I travel anyway, might as well bring podcast gear and record conversations with good friends of mine. And that's it. Not really have any sort of real agenda. Just the whole idea of the name purpose and passion was to just like talk to my friends who do what they love yeah, and inspire others, you know? And I'm sure you understand it too, even just from Instagram. I mean, it's crazy the amount of people I'll hear from that are just like, you know, you inspired me to do that. And yeah. all all, the, all they did was see a photo of like one of your cars. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. how? Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is that it reached somebody and spoke to them in a certain way and motivated them to start working Saturdays to save up more money so they could afford the expensive coilovers in their car yeah. or something, you know? And, and that resonates with me. I'm like, wow, that's got power to it. So that's been like the motivating factor for me to like keep doing the podcast and just kind of continue to do things. Because it's very, boy, it's a very... um good feeling bringing value to people's lives you know all right i guys hope you're enjoying the episode look who is here c2's in the building c2 big shout out to our sponsor heel toe auto what do you think about them uh pretty dope pretty, pretty dope, dope huh you know what about heel toe dude an important part in buying honda parts online is making sure that you can trust the company that you're dealing with to get you the right parts reliably You spend a lot of money and a lot of time researching your build. The last thing that you want to do is send cash to a website where you may never see it or worse yet, never get the parts. Dude, what if you sent money to a website and you just never got the parts? What would you do? Oh my God, I'd freak out, bro. Would you be heated? Yeah, I'd be be pretty mad. Well, that's why you need to shop with Hilltoe, man, because with Hilltoe Automotive, an 18-year history and track record is part of the deal. Hilltoe brings you deep industry connections, professional part recommendations, alternative ideas when your parts aren't available, and they'll even contact you when something on your order looks out of the ordinary. What if they did that, bro? If you called somewhere and you placed an order, and then they're like, hey, Christian, are you sure you want this? It doesn't work with that. Thank you, man. Right? Yeah. That's what that's what we call the homie hookup. That's pretty cool. That's cool, huh? So Hilto's unique checkout allows you to select a deadline to receive your parts to make sure that you can get them in time for your project plans. You can buy parts anywhere online, but Hilto knows what matters to an enthusiast. Professionalism, swiftness, and accuracy. Hilto is in your corner, dude. Call them up right now, bro. 949-295-1668. Or check them out on their website at... Heeltoe.com. Close, bro. Heeltoeauto.com. Check them out. Or you could check them out on Instagram at Heeltoe Automotive. Now, 
back to the show. Yeah, I, I could definitely agree with that, man. With all the negativity around social media, there is immense positivity to it as yeah, well. You yeah. know? Um, just me being inspired, um, I was following an Instagram. I forget the name right now, but what they do is like miniature art. Have you ever seen that before? Yeah, like the cars? No, no, no. This is like street art. So basically, oh, okay. they'll see a like a building, a liquor store with graffiti or something like that, and he'll actually build a small scale of it. Oh, cool. And his thing is, he, he's he's with the camera with the small details, backs up all the way, and it's the full, the the real version. Oh, right so he there. sets it up in front of the exactly. Wow, so. That's cool. After seeing that, like I'm, as you can see with the car, I'm like super into attention to detail. Yep, yep. So I'm like, dude, this is something that I want to get into. You know, I want to get it. This is like has nothing to do with cars, nothing to do with yep. anything. But it's just like, I seen this and I got inspired. I'm like, I even DM the guy. I'm like, dude, cool. you inspired me. I'm gonna get down on that's this. That's awesome. I invited him on the podcast too. So <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but it it's um. Is he from around here? California? I don't even know, but he said he doesn't speak very good English. Oh, okay. But uh, either way, yeah. I'm always inviting everybody on the podcast. I just want to talk. I'm to the everybody. same way, man. I'm the same way, and I I hope that half the people I have on like can take the reins, because I, I get it. There's some people that have never done this, and it's hard for them. They get focused on the cameras and the microphones yeah. and, and their proximity to the microphone. And they're like, oh, "What am I doing with my hand?" Right <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. They, then they're not focused on just talking and hanging out. And um, but some of my friends are either naturally good at that or they've they've kind of like been seasoned with other podcasts yeah. or whatever. And uh, and I love that. I just like turn the mic on and be like, go, man. Like, yeah. The least amount of talking I can do, the better, because this is to like you're here for a reason type deal. Yeah, know? dude. So, some of the best podcasts that I do are with my wife, my best friend, my cousins, because that's it's awesome. like the most real conversation yep. that you could get. And that's just what people are are they're craving right now well, that's dude. the crazy thing to me is you forget like i undervalue any sort of content that i can create or put out all the time whether or not it's like my music or just like a product or whatever i'm like ah you know just because i think like no one would want to hear that or see that or buy that doesn't mean that a bunch or just the fact that i don't think that mm -hmm. doesn't mean that a lot of people out there wouldn't so yeah like when i just a few like just some solo podcast episodes where I'm just like talking about one of my car projects or something. I'm just like, this is redundant. Like, am I even making sense? Is my voice too monotone? What's going on? Like, does anyone even care about this? Yeah. And then I'll, I'll post it anyway. And then I'll get some people on Instagram that'll be like, man, like that was an awesome episode. And here I am like about ready to bin it. You yeah. Know, about <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's that natural conversation. I think that you know, whether or not someone's driving to work in their car or they're sitting at work or they're working in the shop and it's it's over the speakers mm -hmm. in the shop and they're sitting there nodding, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel the same way. Or yeah, I've, I've experienced that, you know, when they're listening to just normal conversation. Yeah, because realistically, you don't have these conversations on an everyday basis with even your best friends, your coworkers or anything, uh, generally speaking. Right. You know, I know that I don't yep. unless they come on the podcast. So sometimes when I just want to catch up with a buddy, I'll say, dude, jump on the podcast because yeah. I know we're not going to be on our phones. We're not going to be distracted. Right. We're going to be connected. Dude, yep. plug into me. I plug into you. Pause. And yep. we're going to have a good time. And that's, <laughs> and that's it to me. Like, I don't look at it as like podcast episodes. I look at it as, you know, when I've had a few friends on that, like, don't do this. Yeah. often i'm like just forget about the mic keep yeah. it like a fist from your face <laughs> but just we're just gonna hang out and we're gonna talk just don't worry don't worry about like notes or yeah you know, on their end you know so i was like i'll carry i'll move us from subject to subject you know you don't gotta worry about like yeah. keeping things afloat like just just 
talk and hang out. Yeah, and that's the thing about a good host is a good host has to be able to podcast with anybody. It's yeah. it's their yeah. job to make the guest feel comfortable yep. and to bring up the subjects and bring that out of that person the reason why you wanted them in the first place. Exactly. The interest yeah. that you see in them, what you see Okay, I want to I want to know more about them, but people on the other side, if they're not used to talking, they're not just gonna jump in there and be like, right. hey, you know, yeah. you gotta, yeah. you gotta take it out of them, and they're not gonna, yeah, they're not gonna create that flow that like you kind of have to create. In and as far as like when you get to the end of a subject and knowing how to like pay attention so you can like correlate to what you're talking about and keep it going. Yeah, so, yeah, I I'm very green at that. Still, I feel like I'm naturally good at talking to people, so yeah. I feel like it's it doesn't it doesn't stall the podcast out, but when, <laughs> when someone's talking and I know we're kind of coming to the end of like this chapter of what we're talking about and I'll start like, as we're talking, I'll be revisiting what we've been talking about. I'm like, I'm like, what's the best thing to move into? <laughs> Three, two, one. Like, and then, and then it'll be something like completely random. Like, so Coke or Pepsi? <laughs> Dude, but if you ever get jammed up, they have the, uh, I just saw it was a, a pack of cards, but it's like, podcast cards so you pay, pull one out and i'll say like when did you lose your virginity or something like if you need those cards to, oh, just don't podcast i'm gonna use them that'll be hilarious oh my gosh that's hilarious i'll take one for a christmas gift though if anybody wants to get me a set what color was your first car exactly yeah, like real dude. super simple stuff yeah. yeah, but um, that's awesome. So since you got into podcasting, have you started to to listen to a lot more of them? Yeah, I don't feel like I've branched out enough though. Okay, like I I listen because I'm I'm like I'm not a historian, but I like I really like history and like engineering and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, like Joe Rogan's podcast, he's got so many people yeah. on, oh, yeah. and I don't listen to every episode. I'm not like a a stan. <laughs> a what stan? You don't know what that means, stan. Oh, is that like a version of a fan? It's like the worst version. Oh. Like Eminem, you know Eminem, the song Stan? Oh, yes. Okay. That, it's okay. like, that's what you call yeah, somebody a Stan. That's right. That's so right. like, I'm not a Joe Rogan Stan. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, he, but if he has like someone of, of interest on, and he's got a lot of like returning like Egyptologists and stuff, and I'm a nerd about all that stuff. So I listen, I get caught in that funnel train. Uh, my good friend Josh Garcia has uh, an automotive podcast called the Revival Motoring Podcast. Oh, I've heard of that one. Yeah, he started um, maybe 2018. I've been on a few episodes with that. We've talked about some of my car projects and and and, and whatnot. But he's he's gone from just him and like a guest to him and three of my other buddies. Mm. So it's four of the guys. Very cool. Every week. I mean, they've got like Toyota, like letting them borrow Supras and all sorts of stuff now. Wow. Like they, they've like, they've like, but the thing is, I think he focused on a certain avenue and stuck with it. Yeah. And was able to generate like sponsorships and like people because they knew that that podcast wasn't going to like waver and bunny ah, traps or yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. But I'm okay with mine doing that. Yeah. It'd be awesome to like have like, not like sponsors, but people come on and like, you know, like want to be a part in a certain way or whatever. But I, I want to keep mine kind of yeah. going different avenues just to keep it different. But Josh's podcast, Revival, um, I listen to a lot of theirs just because they're friends of mine. And and half the time they'll be roasting people that I know or me, myself, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, but I don't know. Other podcasts, Is that sponsored by Moto IQ? I don't know, to be honest. <sighs> I might I might be mistaken. Yeah, I don't. I have seen that one pop up. Yeah. Before. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's been a trending thing. Uh, he's He's been an automotive photographer for years. Mm -hmm. And kind of got out of it because he got a little burnt out, started a family, you know, that whole transition. 
And then now that the family's kind of established and all he has to do is basically curate that now, yeah. he's like dove back into the automotive field with a podcast. And the coolest thing about Revival is he's got a print magazine attached to it. So his photo work, and he's brought on some friends that'll mm -hmm. do some like contract work for the magazine too, but it's like a 175 page, large format, good quality paper magazine called Revival Motoring. So it's wow, really cool. very yeah. cool. Yeah, I so check I, it out. I imported... And this is a whole different story, but to glaze over it, when I was in England in 2018, I bought a Russian Jiguli, which is a Lada, but it's a pre-export Russian, like iron. Curtain. I don't know what any of those words mean. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of a Lada? L-A-D-A. No. Is that a coffee? It's a car. Oh, oh. it could be a coffee. It could be a coffee. No. So it's a, it's a, it's a Soviet car. Okay. Like a Soviet Russian car, Eastern European car. And it, long story short, it was based off the Fiat 124 which was an Italian-made car. And basically after World War II, with the, with the uh, like, basically the um, the Third Reich and Germany falling apart, and then obviously Russia put the wall up, and Russia kind of took control of, like, East Berlin and, like, Eastern Europe and stuff like that. They started to build their own infrastructure for, like, cars and manufacturing and all that sort of stuff. So they, like, worked with Fiat in Italy to build a, a, an automotive manufacturing plant in Russia to start making cars. So the, the early Ladas were called Jigulis. Mm -hmm. And that's just a Russian word. That was the name of the automotive. It was called Auto Vaz, was like the manufacturer. And they started making these cars that looked like Fiat 124s because it was all the same tooling, but they changed the motor, made it a little bit more stout. They gave it like a straight axle four-link rear end, like a pickup truck style rear end. And they changed the lights and they made it more Russian and stuff like that. And I've always wanted one. You see them in all the old Bond films. Mm. They're the they're the Russian Eastern European cars that are exploding everywhere. Like because gotcha. they're just the dime a dozen type car. But after 1975, they started exporting them into like Western Europe and stuff. And so they became known as Ladas because the word Jiguli translated into like other words that weren't like fit for an automotive car or something. So I always wanted a pre-export, pre like a 1970 to 75, the first five years of their production, a Jiguli 2101, which is a little four-door. looks like a Datsun 510. Mm. Like just a more square, less aerodynamic, less like cool. Got looking. you, got you. Very got square, you. very like utilitarian car. And so I'd always wanted one. So anyway, long story short, I bought one. I bought one Impulse while I was in England. I found a Russian guy that had brought it over from Lithuania yeah. and he had it in like a storage unit. And I was like, and it was red. And I wanted a red one. I'm like, I got to have it. So I bought it. I PayPal'd him. Friends and family PayPal. Oh, him. shit. <laughs> so, wait. So I've, I've lived, my friend. <laughs> oh, my God. So okay. I'll glaze over this one because we could be here for hours talking about some of these stories. So I was in England because we were driving to Worthesee, the Volkswagen show in Austria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, huge show. It's been going on for like 40 years now or something like that. And I'd always wanted to go. So I flew into England and we were driving from England to Germany to meet up with some friends in Germany. We were driving vintage BMWs and Mercedes, like vintage cars all the way down through the Alps into Austria for Worthesee. So we were going to be over there for a month, like three and a half weeks or something like that. The second day we're there, the day before we leave for Germany, I buy this stupid Lada. Yeah. And I PayPal a Russian man, friends and family. He gives me a little laminated piece of paper that has Lithuanian writing all over it. And he says, you know, this is the registration. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And he keeps the car, keeps the keys to the car, does a burnout in it when he puts it back in his storage unit after I've paid for it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then we leave for Germany. We go to the Euro tunnel and head into France. And this guy just kept the keys. He's got the car. I PayPal them friends and family. So there's no disputing this. <laughs> 
And so uh, we're heading into France and I'm like kind of biting my fingernails. The buddy from Wales that I was driving to Germany with had a friend from Wales that was going to go collect the car the next day, the day that we were heading to the Eurotunnel. So by the time we got into France, I think we were just waiting to board the Eurotunnel with the cars or the Eurotrain. Uh, My buddy Dean got a text from his buddy Simon with the Lada on his ramp truck. And I was Uh. like, thank God. Thank God. Good. And then it, <laughs> then it hung out in a garage for a few months after I went home and facilitated shipping it to the States. And then um, I fully restored it. Friends from Russia sent me like new old stock USSR, like Iron Curtain Soviet, like Russian parts for this car. Like wow. a brand new emblem, new lights, new lenses, new interior bits, like incredible. And I, I, I cut the paint down and like went through the paint. I, I built an air suspension for it. I put the airlift 3H system in it. Then I bought and restored some magnesium BBS E76 motorsport wheels, like the three-piece motorsport wheels. And I went through the whole car. So to come back full circle after the bunny trail, yeah. Josh Garcia featured that car in Revival Motoring in his magazine, yeah. in the second issue. So it was really cool to kind of be on the ground floor with his podcast and the magazine with a car that I'd always wanted. I'd always wanted one. And you can find them here in America, especially on the East Coast, because it's easier to ship cars from Europe right to the East Coast. But they're all like the later model ones. Yeah. Mine was like everything, all the instrumentation, everything was in Russian. There wasn't an English word anywhere That's on the car. That's awesome. That's what I loved. Yeah. I love that weird quirky stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my Century, that was never exported out of Japan. So everything in that car is in J- Japanese. Mm-hmm. All of it, window switches, all the little switches, it's all Japanese riding everywhere. And I just love how alien that makes you feel. When you drive the car, yeah. you're looking at like all this, you know, I can't read Russian or Japanese, but I just, <laughs> I love being in a car where I'm like, man, some guy drove this like through Russia. You know, like, well, at least Japan, uh, J- Japanese will have like a smiley face, sad face. Yeah, Russian's just like a hammer Sick and like face. a knife or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so I, I need your help. I need you to help me find uh, E30 M3. Ooh, for for a good price. <laughs> Man, dude, I, so, so I miss that boat too, man. I, I just fell in love, dude. Um, yeah. Probably with a lot of people with the 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 Kith BMW collabo that they oh, just did. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I barely started getting into BMWs. Probably about three years ago, I got my uh, I got an M4. Oh, cool. I just fell in love with it, dude. And yep. then I uh, my my car now is an M8. Yep. And so I'm I'm getting into BMWs, and then I see that collabo, and then I've seen those cars before, but Something about that video, I don't know if you've seen, I haven't it, yet. seen it yet. Oh, no. dude, you have to check it out. Yeah, if you go absolutely. to Kith, there's a video that they made, maybe like a two, three minute video, and it just shows all those old school E30 M3s. Yeah, the DTM like, cars. Whoa, yeah. bro. Yeah. So I want to get one. But then I, after that video, I started looking, and you're probably talking like 60, 80. <laughs> to get your feet wet. Shit. You know, they're, they're, an easy, they're a six figure car now. Yeah. And what's a bummer is I'm a huge Mercedes guy. I've had a lot of vintage mm. Mercedes over the years. And, <clears throat> back in 2013 the 5-speed 190s are like super hard to find um the early model ones the 2.3 the Cosworths you can find with the 16 valve with the dogleg box mm-hmm. manual but um at the time I didn't have Cosworth money so I bought an early model 5-speed 190 and I did the Euro whites Euro conversion I bagged it and I did a bunch of fun stuff to it but the plan was to always find a Cosworth and those are obviously the DTM the Cosworth is the is the nemesis to the E30 M3 so it's an ITB 16 valve 2.34 cylinder. As what is that one called? A 190E Cosworth. Okay. Yeah. And what year what year is that? The Cosworth here in the states I think was 87 or 88. I want to check that I out. Could be wrong. So you're saying that. that that was the competition? Yes. Okay. Yes, cool. just like the Audi S2. Gotcha. Yeah, so all like the DTM cars 
you know, the uh, what we had here was the Mercur XR4Ti, and that was like the Ford Sierra RS500 in Europe. So the Euro Ford RS500 competed with the E30 M3s, the 190E Cosworths, um, the Audi S2s. Yeah, who else? Porsche wasn't in DTM. Did the 190s, did those have the uh, vacuum locks? Yeah, mine did. Mine was in 85. They started making the 190E in 84. The Cosworths came out in like 87 or something like that. But, Got you. Because um, they were a homologation car. So in order to run in the DTM circuit, you had to make X amount of production cars. So that's kind of what the E30 M3 was. And the E30 M3, I mean, it's not it's not a fast car. Yeah. Especially in today's terms. You get in it and you drive it and you're like, what's supposed to happen? But it's just, it's the, it's the, it's the like, the motorsport in the veins of the car. Mm -hmm. You can just tell that, you know, BMW was like immersed in motorsport when they built that car. And, and it's just a fun car to go ripping up and down a, a, you know, a canyon, out here a canyon, but out, out east, you know, just some mountain road, you know, but. What about just like a shell? I don't know. I think shells are, are like too expensive as well. Really? It's, it's all thanks to bring a trailer, I think. People have just been kind of, you know, when two guys battle it out and drive the price away up, people now think that that's like the market going rate right for that yeah. car. And it's like, no, nah, it's like two guys, two guys battled it out to 150 grand for that E30 M3. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that they're worth that, but it becomes that. That's why I would try to tell the Honda guys that freak out over Chill the, out. The, yeah, the <laughs> yeah, Type yeah. R's for like yeah. 80 grand or whatever. I'm like, yeah, some, somebody paid it, but I'm pretty sure I could sell this pen to somebody for a hundred thousand bucks if I find the right person. What do they say? There's an ass for every seat. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's cool and it's a bummer. Like, because like, I, yeah, I've always wanted an E30 M3 or the Cosworth 190s were six to $10,000 cars, like five years ago. Yeah. Six or seven years ago, maybe. And I passed on some. A buddy of mine had one for like 6,500 bucks and had a few things. I was like, meh, nah, I'm good. You take five? No, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, well, shoot. Because they're, they're not six figure cars yet, but they're like nipping at the heels of the E30 M3. So... Now it's like, oh, you can't afford an E30 M3? Well, I got a 190E Cosworth here, but yeah. that's 20 grand. And you're like, oh, man. Yeah, so, it's uh, it, it gets like that with everything. In the Honda yep. community, the uh, all-wheel drive stuff. Yes. You know, before the all-wheel drive craze started, you could probably get all that stuff for scrap metal. Yeah, cheap stuff. Yeah. It's like that in every every industry or every every manufacturer, basically, you, every brand. You know what the uh, the great thing would be? Is if you're the person that could drive the part the price up yeah. and you own the price the parts. Yeah, so. exactly. If you're sitting on a, like a treasure trove of those parts. <laughs> yeah. it, like with my E23, I mean it had a couple magazine features so that, you know, people who'd seen that, you know, it, it kind of adds some value to that specific car, but you know, I I sold that car for $22,000 and I didn't have anywhere near that invested into it. Yeah. So I, I felt like I was, I didn't sell it on bring a trailer, but I felt like I was a part of that like movement where the car is technically worth that. I didn't think it was, but when I started watching the E30 M3 skyrocket, that seven series of mine was as like period correct motorsport as a seven series could get. Mm -hmm. Like I had every rare bit on that car, but the seven series weren't M cars. Yeah. So it wasn't like an M5 or an M6 it was they never made an m7 so mine was as close as it could get and luckily there was someone who i i could have sold it for that all day long to some other people too but yeah it's just but that's that's all i had i had that one car it's not like i had five of them yeah. i'm like all right you know next in line um i'm watching all these cars skyrocket in value the cars that i've always wanted and i'm like oh no 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 i'm not gonna be able to afford any of those cars anymore <laughs> did the uh 
the old 8 series, was that ever an M or it was just an 8 series? They did not make an M, I don't think. And if there's any BMW enthusiasts stronger than me listening to this, they might be disputing that. But, I don't... Um, they made an... So they made they made the 840, which was the V8. Then they made the 850, which was the V12. And I don't think they made an M8. I think the new ones... Because mm-hmm. the, they're doing like M package 7 series now too. Oh, okay. And you couldn't, do, you couldn't get that all the way up until the late 90s or even the early 2000 platforms. You couldn't get like an M package 7 series. <laughs> all right, guys. We have to take a break for our sponsor, Action Clutch. <laughs> One of the most critical parts to any build is the clutch. Without a proper clutch, you won't be able to get that power to the wheels. No one wants to spend hundreds of dollars on a clutch that won't hold their power for more than a few races or spirited drives. Dude, what if you bought a new clutch and you just went for a drive and... Oh my god. What would you do? for a refund. And what they say? Sorry, you already, you already installed it. But if you go to Action Clutch... You won't have that problem, right? Yeah. That's why it's important to go with a kit that you know that you can count on. And that's why most people choose Action Clutch over the competition. Action Clutch makes all their kits here in the USA with material sourced locally in Los Angeles. You ever been to Los Angeles? Yes. Yeah, they do a lot of urban camping there. You ever seen that? No. They camp on the freeways and then they camp. The homeless? It's just camping, bro. Really? Yeah. You ever go camping and then you see somebody camping? Yeah. Do you ever think that they're homeless? Well, like in Casitas? Yeah, but that's... It's called story. urban camping, bro. That's all it is, dude. So if you guys are in Los Angeles, you can see urban camping and you can go visit Action Clutch as well, man. Because they have kits for OEM replacement clutches all the way up to 1,200 horsepower and can be found everywhere from streetcars, drag cars, and even Formula Drift vehicles. Dude, you ever been to Formula Drift? No. Yes, you have, dude. See how you are? You don't even remember. You have in Long Beach where they're doing the drifting and everything. I don't remember. Oh, maybe that was my other son. Sorry. Manual. Shout out to Manual. Not only... Not only are the clutches made in the USA, but they have made a strong focus this year to give back a percentage of sales to the community during these hard times, providing impacted families with groceries and other necessities. Christian, what are you doing to give back to uh, families in hard times right now? That's what I thought. Contact Action Clutch today with whatever you need to receive the family treatment. You can find them at actionclutch.com. And if you don't see what you need there, you can give them a call at 323-269-6051. Or you could DM them at... Action Clutch. That's it. Action Clutch. Or you could email them at sales at... Actionclutch.com. And if you need anything, just use code DTWD and tell them that C2 is going to give you 15% off. Back to the show. Now, let me ask you a hard-hitting question. Is the M package an M? It's not. Not technically. <laughs> but someone who got the M package will tell you otherwise. <laughs> they didn't pay M price. They paid the, for the option. They're like, it's got That's M. That's always their excuse. Yeah. This guy's deal. Yeah. I got a deal on it. Yeah, it's got M door thresholds. <laughs> and it's got an M steering wheel in it. Yeah. I'm just a dickhead, bro. I'm sorry. No, but like I had a, I had a, I had an E39 five series touring wagon, which was an early 2000s five series touring wagon, and it had an M package on it. So it wasn't an M touring wagon. I mean, that thing would have been worth a ton of money if it did, if, or if it was, I mean. But it had like the M steering wheel. It had the air suspension in the rear, which was adjustable. If you had like a bunch of stuff, it's a wagon, you know. Um, so I had the upgraded suspension, had this, had the M shifter. It was a, it was an automatic, but it had the M shifter and it mm-hmm. had a, an M steering wheel and that, that's it. So it wasn't an M five, yeah. but it had some M 
stuff to make you feel like you're driving an M because you're looking at the badge <laughs> on the steering wheel. But yeah, it, it makes me feel like I am every time I pay for it every month. I'm like, oh yeah, that's an M. <laughs> I bet I'd be an M8. What year is it? 2020. Dang, that's awesome. Yeah, it's fun, dude. I'll take you for a ride real quick Heck around yeah. the block after Heck this. Heck yeah. See, I'm a flagship guy. I mean, clearly we're talking about my seven series. We're talking about my extended wheelbase century. Like I have, I have some small cars. I like small cars too. Like that Lada was a real small car, but I love flagships. So an like an eight series is the sporty version of a flagship car. You know, that's the whole, that was the whole point with the with the first the E thirty ones. Like the first gen eight series were like we're doing a car. We're doing like a seven series sized coupe that's like aerodynamic and is fast. Yeah. Know? So it's, yeah, I love that. I love that they're making big cars. So we were mentioning earlier before uh, we got on that uh, you're out in uh, you spent some time in Tennessee. Yep. Because I've been out there for uh, Import Alliance. Yep. And with all this talk brings up uh, Import Alliance fall meet. I forget the year, but there was that rusty car there. You remember that one? Mike Burroughs' car? Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, Mike's out here now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Costa Mesa, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when I was out here last year with my 7 Series, because Mike's a BMW guy, and I've known Mike since 2012, maybe. Mm. And um, and so when we came out here last fall, we swung by his shop. He he does uh, stance works. Oh, okay. Got you. Got yep. you. Yeah, so I remember have, that maybe like two years ago, they brought it to SEMA. Two yes. or three years ago. Yes, and it's like and it's like third or fourth rendition. Yeah, because that car had gone through a ton of different like uh, phases or whatever. Yeah, so, I love that yeah. car, man. Yeah, pretty rad car. He sold it to this guy Ray, and I don't know if Ray still has it anymore, but it was it was a part of like a museum for a little bit just because it was a such a wild yeah version of a BMW. So how far is that from uh, New Hampshire, Tennessee? Mm-hmm. Well. So I lived in Nashville for a little bit. Oh, okay, got you. Yep, uh, in 2012. Really? Yeah, um, but it's like a 20-hour drive from oh, where I'm at shoot. in New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, 20 hours or How'd so. How'd you like uh, Nashville? Um, I like it. I, I like the food. Uh-huh. Food's my favorite part of uh, of Nashville for sure. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a melting pot. It's yeah. like Orlando, Florida. It's like there's no Floridians there. It's like, yeah. It's it, Nashville is just kind of like a melting pot, and that's why. I was mentioning before that I was I was more keen on possibly moving to Chattanooga this time mm, if I were to go south. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. I yeah. actually just got back from Chattanooga a couple of weeks ago. My good friend Mason puts on the Riverside Chattanooga show that, down there, but in this really cool old pavilion. It's an all-encompassing show. It's mostly like Japanese stuff or hot rods. It's a it's a uh, curated show. So you put a registration in, and he like hand picks all the cars that are going to be in the show. No awards, just like a. It's almost like, I don't know if you know uh, Simply Clean yes. in Florida. So yes. Nikolai is a good friend of mine. And it's same same idea. No awards. It's like a giant car meet with vendors. Yeah. You know? and, uh, and so I was just in Chattanooga with the Century. I trailered that down. People were like, oh, you trailered it? Are you going to drive it? And I'm like, I drove it coast to coast. It's earned the trailer. Yeah. I bought an enclosed trailer just for that car because it's 20 feet long. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was going to buy an 18-foot trailer to fit like my Corvair and a few other cars in. And then the Corvair was tight tight in my buddy's 18 footer and i was like i'll get a 20 footer then i bought that stupid century and i started like I, the kid who had the car that i was buying it off i'm like can you run a tape bumper to bumper he's like oh it's like 19 and a half and i'm like oh so i had to buy a 24 foot trailer oh shit every time the trailer got bigger my truck kept getting smaller i'm like oh this is awful so i've got an i've got an, what the what the ford boys call an obs ford mm-hmm. so i've got a 93 southern from tennessee which is like 
gold up in New Hampshire. So it's a rust-free Ford Crew Cab Dually 7.3 diesel with a manual gearbox. Oh, like wow. it's a really cool truck. But with that 24-foot trailer behind it, with the cent- the Century's like a five or six thousand pound car. That's that poor truck. It was just a slog. <laughs> so we just we went down to H2O, we, the unofficial H2O. I do mm-hmm. that's this was my eleventh year going down there. Wow. So I go to I go to Ocean City, Maryland every single year. Every single year. We do a big governor's club meet there. I make some merchandise for it. It's like this it's this huge thing that we do down there now. So uh, from Ocean City, Riverside was the next weekend. And mm-hmm. Ocean City, Maryland's like on the way to Tennessee from New Hampshire. So we we hit Ocean City, then we went on to Chattanooga and we came back mid-october so it's about almost like a month ago we did that very cool yeah so, i like tennessee a lot now that you bring it up so. i've never been to h2o i've always wanted to go so tell me lot, about it bro dude. what 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 kept you going for so long and um, still that it's not even there you're still going yeah yeah so i started going because it was a volkswagen show okay i've been a volkswagen nerd that's kind of what got me in the cars in, in the first place and uh so in 2009, I actually went to the show. 2010, I brought another Volkswagen down, went to the show. Then 2011, I brought an E30 BMW down mm. and didn't go to the show because I was having more fun just cruising the strip, eating seafood, hanging out with my friends, going to all the different car meets up and down the strip. It's like 10 miles of two lanes one way, two lanes the other, straight as an arrow, cruise the boulevard. You know, they, they have hot rod shows there. And like, that's the whole thing is you, you go to Ocean City to cruise the strip. So there's an actual show, an event? There was. Gotcha. So it started in like 99 or 2000. So okay. it had been going on for quite a while. But 2000, boy, I want to say it was 2017 or 18. Yeah, I remember. it. The guy like, and I, I kind of know some of the players in that whole scheme, I guess. But like the guy basically like pulled out of the show like a few weeks before we yeah. were supposed to have the show. And oh, wow. Left a lot of vendors hanging because they had like, they had merch made for the show and people who had condos. Like it, it, <clears throat> It was such a long-standing show and such a huge show that people were um, <clears throat> booking their condos for the next year while we were in Ocean City mm. the pre- that, that year type deal. So, um, But it became its own phenomenon that people just kept going. And yeah, a lot of the old-timer Volkswagen guys are like, oh, it got ruined. It, yeah, it kind of did mm-hmm. because more and more people kept bringing random cars and like... And like that purple FRS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kilogram, not kilogram. No, not kilogram. Shout out remember. to kilogram. Yeah. Oh, Killionaire. Yes. That's, <laughs> yeah, I knew it was something. Kill something. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I seen the thing is, I like it all. I really do. Like, unless you're, un, unless, unless you're like just insufferable and you've got an attitude and you're like, you're like clearly, you clearly think you're above everybody yeah. else. It's like, take a walk, you yeah. know? And I don't know if that kid is like that. I'm just saying, I like looking out over the strip, I love everything I'm seeing with exception but like it's i like it all i like the hot rods i like the the japanese stuff i love like the vip japanese yeah i love that stuff like extreme camber it's all cool as long as it's like your fabrication's done safely if you ask me as an adult my opinion on it i say that 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 stuff is is dumb Mm -hmm. but i would definitely fucking be there i'll be like hell yeah Yeah. you know it's fucking i don't know there's there's something about it that it seems like like chaos to me. And I stay out of the chaos. Like I'm not I'm not a partier. I've never like our governor's club meet, like we pride I say we as if it's bigger than me, but I pride myself on the fact that like the governor's club meet is like is like the country club meet for like gotcha. car guys. It's like the serious car enthusiast, you know, there's no burnouts. We'll have five hundred to even possibly a thousand cars in some of these lots and some of these meets. Yeah. And everybody for the most part knows the deal. Mm-hmm. Like 
I'll even like, if I see some Ocean City police officers, usually the state troopers, because they're a little bit more cool. Ocean City police are just kind of like crazy now. But I'd actually like swing in and talk to one and be like, hey, we're going to be down at like 58th Street or whatever with a car meet. And I would I would encourage you to swing by because we're, we're basically telling people not to do burnouts. So if someone does a burnout, you know, get them out of here type deal. So we'd, I would encourage having a police officer in the back yeah, part of the yeah. parking lot because all we wanted to do was hang out in the parking lot. Yeah. And then you get 10 minutes into your meet and some idiot comes in and does a burnout and the police see it and they kick everybody out. And it's like, that's what I, I went down there to hang out with my friends in one spot. And so, so I stay out of the melee. We always stay up in the higher numbers. There's a few select streets where the melee is every year. Yeah, so I'll probably just, be out there. So you just stay. It's cool to witness <laughs> yeah. if, for the most part until it gets way too out of hand and you're like, I'm out of here. But uh, yeah, we'll cruise down through there every now and then. But I like going because I see friends of mine that I don't normally see. It's it's halfway up the East Coast. So we've got all of our Florida, Tennessee, and Georgia mm, boys that okay. come up. Um, up until this year, I had friends from England and Germany and even Russia. My friend Victor from Moscow comes over wow. every year. Yeah, I mean, it's a... All the Canada boys come down. We've got friends that drive out from Washington and Montana. I mean, these guys will bring like old air-cooled buses and just like drive across America to come to Ocean City and so hang out cool, for a week. Dude. Yeah, it's it's got its own culture now. But this year specifically because of the pandemic and whatnot, the police and whoever's listening to this, if you had your finger on the pulse on Instagram, you saw it, but they were impounding like stock cars mm -hmm. this year. Like it was impound fest. And I was there in a century and that thing's got blacked out windows I did not drive it aired up. Like that thing was like skating the ground and it's got wide split wheels with stretch tires and they were impounding all the cars with all those things. Tent, ride height, stretch tires. They were impounding everything. And luckily, I chalk it up to the fact that the car is so... The car commands so much attention and like presence when you mm. see it in person. It's got the big, huge front fender mirrors and stuff. It's got this crazy emperor like yeah crazy like evil villain kind of look to it that i think most people were like most of the officers are just like what on earth is that scared thing? and not like like oh we're gonna impound that i think they were actually trying to like figure out because we'd have we'd have <laughs> cruisers like pull right up by us like cruise by us real slow and they'd be like looking at the front end and there's no toyota emblems on it it's the century had this like phoenix logo on the front of the gotcha. grill and it's got this very like ornate look to it and people are like i don't even know what that is <laughs> so we got away we got away scot-free this year and i've never been impounded because i don't bring anything that's too like crazy aesthetically and, and none of my stuff's fast yeah so i'm not getting in trouble for speeding or anything but i i go every year without fear but after this year i am a little nervous for 2021 because there's a bunch of legal like stuff going on now people are lawyering up and fighting the city for impounding their car when there was no like there was no grounds to. You know? gotcha, so gotcha, we'll gotcha. see. Maybe by next year they would have been put into their place, uh, you know, the local law enforcement there and everything will be like back to normal yeah. or it'll just be as crazy as Yeah, I wish I could have made it in its uh heyday. Yeah, heyday. Yeah. And I, I think in my opinion, you know, it was still mostly Volkswagen 2009, 2010. 2011 was the beginning of, you saw way more BMWs, way more Mercedes, like mm. German stuff with some like 240 SXs mixed in. And then 2012 and 13 was like, like the beginning of like seeing everything, which yeah. I love. I love watching all the different stuff cruise up and down the strip. You know what makes me think of some of those uh, recap videos is uh, your music. I was checking out oh, your you, SoundCloud, oh, oh, dude. My, oh boy. And I was listening oh, no. to some and I was like, dude, I could totally see this just with some edit yeah 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 know? yeah and that's and it's funny you check out my music i mean that, that soundcloud is like unfinished demos like i am my own worst critic sounded good dude. More, thank you man i appreciate it like 
more so than with any i don't call myself a perfectionist you'd never get anything done if you were but with music i'm like i'm really really hard on myself with music Mm. like i just i've been everything i do i've got hard drives i was like when i revisit stuff like two years later i'm like why did i do anything with that i actually like that Mm. but at the time i didn't like it and it just stayed as like some sort of demo so all the soundcloud stuff is actually like just demo unfinished recorded myself mixed it myself half the stuff isn't even mixed but um i really like I really like soundtrack music, yeah. like like movie scores. Like, like you could, you could close your eyes and just the the soundtrack like puts you on this like emotional journey in a way. Like, like whether or not it's dark or just vast sounding, and 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 just kind of puts you in a certain place. That's what I like most about music. So that's kind of, I guess, if I was trying to capture anything, that's what I try to capture with my music. What uh, instruments do you play? Um, so I started playing guitar. I started playing guitar when I was in like seventh grade. So that's my main instrument. But I play, I play drums. I play bass. But that's basically playing guitar. And um, I am, I suffer through playing piano. Mm. So I, I can play, but I taught myself late in life after having played guitar my whole life. So it was like you're trying to train your fingers to do something totally different. And I love piano. I mean, I would if I had nothing else going on, I would dedicate my life. To playing piano to, really to be, yeah I, I, my dream job is to write movie scores that's okay. like a dream job but it's the dream job i'm not pursuing yeah so i can't really because every reaction i get out of people they're like what's your dream job i'm like they expect me to say something that has something to do with cars you know and i'm like to write movie scores and like well why aren't you doing that and i'm like good point you know <laughs> it's one of those things where it's hard to be realistic about making money doing something like that yeah so it, it's tough especially being self-employed it's like you know how it is it's 24 7 you you never check out mentally definitely man i could i could totally agree with you on that um one of my biggest passions is uh like editing videos Mm -hmm. i wish that i could just make my own movie yep like direct my own movie and shoot it and edit it and just do all that but it's that doesn't seem realistic you know the ball's already rolling everything's going good right. but what we're doing right here and i could still mix that into what we're doing yep, yep. and still get some joy out of it whether it's a one minute clip but i would like to do like a 30 minute movie or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. yeah and i love that too i love video production i mean i i, I never dove down that rabbit hole because i just i didn't want to waste the money on gear. yeah but like, yeah, yeah yeah friends of mine who do that um i don't know if you know anthony purcell halcyon photo yeah so he love halcyon have you seen his feature of my century no i haven't so he brought his gear to ocean city this year to just shoot the century really he didn't do an after movie this year he did he literally brought his gear to just shoot the century it was the only feature he did this year and and i've known anthony for a long time i've I've made some of his halcyon merch and Uh stuff like his leather key rings and stuff but i was you know he's shot some of my cars for his films but this was the first time we worked together on solely shooting that car. And uh, he texted me just a few days ago and he's like, dude, like the algorithm on my YouTube for your car is like nothing I've ever seen before. Really? Like, it's, well, it's one of 400 cars ever built mm-hmm. and it's bagged on, on vintage work split wheels. And it's like, it's, it's all OEM period. Correct. You know, I tried to keep everything OEM. Um, there's a lot of work into that car. You know, I custom built the suspension and stuff, but it's, but it's subtle. It's just, it's just, quote unquote bags and wheels but everything inside that car is super rare century stuff that i've imported from japan you know it's like all like the optional add-on stuff that people could get when they bought a century and you know stuff that isn't super expensive now but it's super rare but no one that doesn't own a century would really want yeah. but when i find it on like yahoo auction japan or something i'm like ooh, like that's one of those one of like 20 piece things or whatever but 
and yeah, Anthony, Anthony, like he loves Japanese culture and that car, and 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 he, um, yeah, his skills like shined with that car for sure. I gotta check it out. It's one of the most recent videos he's, yeah. he's done. You know, uh, just that's funny that you bring him up because that's one of my favorite videographers too. He's like so the good. way that he is able to caption the shows yep like i was at that show it wasn't that fun <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's that's how that's how crazy like yeah i mean he could sell yeah he could sell anything because so of dope, how he dude. can he can uh like create it as an image you i know? think the one that really got me was daytona tuner evo 2016-17 maybe okay. if i'm not mistaken he won an award for for the film for the film okay yeah Possibly 2017. Yeah. But dude, after seeing that, it just it just gave me a whole different per perspective on like just videography. Right. And dude, that I would love to do something like that. Yeah. You know? I and I me too. I love it. I mean, just just dabbling in the YouTube stuff. I mean, when I was riding BMX, I I you know, I would film and make my own BMX videos too, and I really liked that. Mm -hmm. But once I started to ride full time, I was on the other end of the camera. And so I never really got as immersed as I wanted to in video production. Mm -hmm. I, I share that same passion, but I, I, at this point I see my friends excelling with it and I'm like, all right, like if I can help like give you some content for your, you know, your film, your production or whatever, I'd rather do that than like, yeah, try to tool up yeah. with like cameras and like try to, and try to like be relevant with that stuff. Yeah. To do it because it's fun, but yeah, I think we're both cut from the same cloth where you, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it to the best of your ability and try to like make it yeah. re relevant. You I'm know? just thinking about it right now, buying all the equipment, just, just like getting the content and then putting it out there and hoping people buy it and hoping it grows. Yeah. That doesn't interest me right. at all. Yeah, because really, it would be a whole new grind. Exactly. What yeah. interests me is I'll just make this video and I'll be like, hey, dude, check out the video That's I made. That's it. That's, That's it. it. That's yeah. all I would want. Yep. I just hired a guy for, uh, since you speak of vlogging, uh, full time to, oh, to for vlog you. for me. Man. And um, I was having a meeting with him the other day. And I was like, you know what, bro? I have the business. I have everything. But what I would love to do with my day is do exactly what you're doing. Yeah. just record and then edit it and then create something yeah you know like yeah. you have something right here and it's just you just have to dial it in but it's don't look at it as like oh shit the we have a vlog every day at 6 p.m don't look at it as like a deadline right look at it as like i'm excited for 6 p.m because now i get to show people yeah, yeah what yeah. i created yep and that's exactly what i started doing like two years ago like documenting all my travel the car projects and yeah, without bringing someone on. So the the idea, just thinking about that, bringing someone on to like, not just edit, but the film and like shadow you doing stuff is like, it seems like such a dream. Oh, dude. Because, yeah. because I was telling you before we, we sat down here that it's, it's, it's so defeating half the time because half the time I'm under a time crunch to get a car done for some show or whatever. And I stop documenting it because it, documenting it myself makes, it makes the simplest project take four times longer than mm -hmm. normally would. Cause now not only am I making sure all the gears there, SIM cards cleared or formatted and the batteries are charged. Then I got to set the shot up and then I got to explain what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And then when I actually go to do it, I'll set the camera up over here. And it's like, it's like, all I got, all I want to do is like cut that plate out and like weld it to that. And it just, I like, I gotta just get that done. And, and so it feels so defeating to like take all that time, make a project take four times longer than it normally would. And then, then I sit for, you know, maybe over the course of two nights or three nights after I'm done work for the day, like edit it, yeah. get it up. 
but I'm like just kind of throwing it together as like a vlog style yeah, yeah, episode, yeah. no cinematic value or anything like that. Just raw clips kind of timelined out and then upload it. And then, you know, I only have like 2,500 subscribers, which is whatever. But like, I'm, I'm like, is this worth it? Yeah. Is this worth it? And then like we were saying before, I'll get like two people that'll be like, man, please keep making these. And I'm like, all right, for that guy. Yeah, I got like you, bro. Like that's, I'm working for him. <laughs> like, and so every time I do a video, I'm thinking of that one dude that left that one comment. I'm like, this is for him. He's going to oh see this. Oh my God, bro. That's so funny, dude. All right, we got to take one last break for our sponsor, Aeromotive. Piecing together a fuel system for a build can be a difficult task. Luckily, Aeromotive has your back with everything that you need from fuel pump replacements to fuel systems that will support up to 3,000 3, horsepower. Do you know how much that is? Uh, kind of. The, the M has about 750. So. Oh my God. So about a few M's, it's about that fast. But oh. if you go, to, if you have something that fast, you can go to Aeromotive and they'll get you hooked up Sheesh. because the engineers at Aeromotive have developed a solution for your build regardless of power level. So if you have five horsepower, maybe if you just got a horse, dude, <laughs> take your horse over there, they'll feed them a little fuel and spark them up a little bit. You know, if you're looking to make the switch over to E85, they have all the parts that you need to build a system that will be there when you need it the most. Need a custom fuel system for your daily that has turned into a project car? No problem. They have the new products, dude. It's uh, the brushless pump line. It's a quieter pump. It's less heat, and it lasts longer than traditional pumps. This ranges from the A1000. Mm -hmm. That's all, all the way up to 10 gallons per minute. 3,000 horsepower. Oh you know you know when you're pumping gas, dude? Yeah. One gallon is about like 350. Yeah. They'll use 10 gallons in one minute. Oh my so that's God. that's $34 of fuel in one minute. That's right, racing's so expensive, man. Big shout out to anybody that has a 3,000 horsepower car though. But if you don't have anything that crazy, we're probably about like the 700 horsepower range. You know, we'll probably use the uh, Stealth 340, which is the top selling fuel pump. For, so 700 for EFI or a thousand for the carburetor. Maybe we'll put that on the Chevelle, dude. Probably put that one on the Chevelle. And then if you have, if you build a car and you're just like, I don't even know what to do with the fuel at all. I just have no idea. You can hit them up and then check out the customization shop and you say, hey, this is what I got and I need everything and they'll take care of you, bro. And then if you're a pro drifter like Matt Field, dude, you go race in the season and when you're done with that, you go hang out with the babe, sign autographs and drink Monster or whatever, whoever he's sponsored by. You just send your car or all your products over to Aeromotive, dude, and say, hey, I need you to fix this up. They'll take it apart, clean it real nicely, dude. Send it back to you and then you go win some races, man. So if you, do you need anything from Aeromotive? Yes. Okay, cool. So make sure you use code DTWD to save 10%, bro. What a deal, huh? Yeah. All right, guys. I hope you're enjoying this episode with John Ludwig. Awesome guy. And back to the show. Like, I've been so <laughs> stressed out with the podcast, the business, everything. We just, we just moved homes. I've been doing the move. And this is how crazy the world is, bro. I didn't even have an upload for Monday. And yep. I wasn't really even going to stress about it because we upload every Monday and Thursday. I do two podcasts yep. a week. And yep. I was just like, I'll figure it out, you know. And then Christian hit me up. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, cool. We got a pilot. So keep on keeping on. Dude, and then I, I almost brought my Pelican case and be like, all right, we're done yours. All right, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> 
yeah but yeah. Um, then i got a message earlier today and the guy's like oh man thank you it helped the podcast helps me get through monday and thursday i'm like all right I yeah keep see going. that's that and man it means so much you know it like it, i wish other people could understand that because it doesn't give you at least guys like us it doesn't make my head big it mm -hmm. like it it puts my head down and allows yeah. me to like work harder you know because it's like all this stuff it's it's so hard to make money doing it and yeah that's the dream i'd love to just be a content creator traveling around doing fun stuff with a multimedia team yeah that i can pay they don't have to be like building their resume you know they can like or interns or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. Like i could pay them hey we're going to europe for two weeks or we're gonna build we're gonna build some like little clapped out you know fiat or something we're gonna drive it to russia or you know just do something crazy yeah and then that content creation gets you more views and more subscribers mm -hmm. and then it's just this perpetual cycle of just having fun but now it's like a self-funded fun yeah but that's the dream obviously so when it's at the ground level it's like man i'm yeah it's like you're, you're almost thinking about those few dudes who are like man thank you so much for uploading that and i'm like yeah i hope jimmy sees this on monday because yeah i've been working hard for him <laughs> for you bro <laughs> exactly yeah but then on man. the flip side of the coin you look at those guys that have all those followings and they get to buy as many cars as they want and fix them up and then you just go in their comments and you're like wow nobody appreciates shit no they're, they're just, just shitting on yeah. this dude all day so is that what i really want no with my like creativity i'm not gonna do the vlogs and the podcasts and stuff because i expect to become a millionaire exactly. from it you know i have i have the production of things with downstar that's going already that's yep. the meat and potatoes this is right. stuff that i do for fun for fun so yeah, do yeah. i want it to get to that point where i have a hundred thousand subs and then i post up a video and right in there they're like you were wrong about this because he said this and this i'm like bro we're just having a conversation yeah, nobody's yeah. fact checking stuff right here that's when you, you know? gotta shut the you gotta flip the switch and just yeah. read the comments you know? yeah that's when dude. you're like here's my content here's who i am here's who my guest was i'm out yeah you know? take it and and let the comments be the dumpster fire and just at the beginning, yeah, it's like it's good to interact with everybody and, and keep everything going. But I understand that there's a threshold you end up getting through where you're just like, no, I'm not going to even read any of the comments because it's going to like bum me out yeah. and, and ruin my motivation. And then it'll make me think back to these times like, shit, I just wish I had 4,000 subs and I was just... That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess as, as long as you can keep that mentality going, the like the, I don't know, like people will notice how genuine you are and how organic it is that like even if it does get big and you're making money doing the side stuff that's just fun, as long as you stay true and stay on your rails, it'll always be organic. Yeah. It might become a bigger production because now you've got the revenue to like, yeah, pay someone to help film and help edit and maybe production gets better and it gets more cinematic feeling and, and that doesn't necessarily mean you've sold out, you know? Yeah. And, and it's just, I don't know. I think, I, I think it's easy to, to, like see someone who's doing it because it's fun, but they've been blessed to have, you know, the following to have now and to be able to live a comfortable life and just do that. And then you see some people that are just like, yeah, they, they, they wanted to be famous yeah. and now they're famous and they're like, ha, you know, it's like, oh, okay. There's yeah. A lot no, of famous people out there. Yeah. No, I feel you on that dude. And, and two, as much as like negative comments are accepted, if you, the, the creator themselves is, a positive person if they're doing good things those comments are not going to get the same love exactly. as they would exactly. on another person's channel i get it i get it on instagram for no reason just somebody comes along like that that won't even follow me yeah just be like i don't know like almost something personal be like 
you know, you're stupid or <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yeah, so many yeah, words. Yeah. Like on a photo of like one of my cars and I'm, I'll, I won't even delete it. I'll just leave it there. Just let it ride. Because yeah. <laughs> other people will go in there and roast them for me. I don't even, yeah. to, I won't even, I don't even want this to bother me anymore. But I dealt with that with BMX. Yeah. You know, because BMX, you were like a one man show. You yeah. were there because of your skill set, which was weird. It was really crazy, you know, because I grew up in a small town in Meredith, New Hampshire. So to be a professional athlete, you know, I wasn't winning like X Games gold medals. I was like a street rider. But to basically have it be my job, like you'd see kids and it was usually jealousy, you know, yeah. someone who just wanted to be pro. I didn't want to be pro. I mean, we all w dreamt of stuff like that, you know, but I just rode because I loved to ride. I had this, I had this like this competition inside me to learn tricks and just, and just be obsessive over certain type of bike control and like learning certain tricks and whatnot to just overcome that and feel that victory inside me. Yeah. And then it just so happened I met people at different contests and all of a sudden I'm riding for their team or whatever. It was just an organic thing, but there was a lot of kids out there that would like try to tear other people down. Yeah. And so I think that kind of got me ready for the Instagram age. Was you know? that on social or where was that happening in, in, like, in person? Um, Like like message boards. Oh, okay, yeah, gotcha, like gotcha, pre, gotcha. Pre-Instagram, it was, it was YouTube and it was uh like big BMX message boards. There was one called BMX board. And that's where like people would host videos, like your newest edit yeah. you put up. And then there was a comment section, obviously, and people would be like, I hate that dude. And be like, you, you don't even know me. And as like a 19 year old, you know, in like, oh, four, it's like, it's like, it almost hurt you. You're like, what's that guy got to be so mean? Yeah. It's some, it's, it was the beginning of the keyboard yeah, warriors, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I think going through all that, you like, you understood. And then now that we're like older, quote unquote, older in the Instagram age, when I see a comment like that, I'm like... Sorry, uh, I feel I'm sorry you're having a bad day. I bro. feel bad for that dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it doesn't it doesn't affect me. So anymore. let's take it to BMX, man. What made you jump on a bike? Man, maybe back to that ADD thing. Yeah, I think I was just like bored and like wanted to. I, I had a bike. I think most kids in New Hampshire or just uh, most kids in general had a bike and they like built a little dirt jump in their backyard and tried to jump tires or that, that's in my case that's what I was doing. But it wasn't until I was 15 years old when my best friend, my well, classmate of mine. Uh, and I were watching, do you remember Blue Torch? No. So Blue Torch was on, I can't remember what TV station, but it came on at like 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. on weekdays. So you come home from school and Blue Torch was like an hour long set of like skateboarding, BMX, surfing, inline skating. Hmm. It was like extreme sports. Okay. And it was on like ESPN or something like that, but it was, it was like core sports. You'd see like, you'd see like, you know. Was Sal Masakela the host? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I would always hear that name. I'm like, X Games. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even been. know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard that name in like 20 years. Um, but I got, I started watching that and I loved skateboarding. Mm -hmm. I loved like Rodney Mullen, Day Wong Song. Oh, I loved dude. tech skateboarders. And I just couldn't, maybe it's because I didn't have the, the patience, but like I, every time I tried like just doing shove or kickflips, I'd always... I just couldn't get my feet to do what I wanted the board to do. And I would slip and go over backwards. And I, I finally got to the point where I was like, I can hang on to a bike and I know how to ride one of those. So let's just stick with this. And my buddy Pat had a BMX bike and we started watching Blue Torch like after school and we'd watch like, you know, they'd play like core BMX videos, just like they would core skateboard videos, mm -hmm. you know, stuff that wasn't on the main television screen. And that kind of like, we'd see guys jumping up tall curbs or just doing simple grinds on ledges. And this was in 01 maybe. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember we both were like, we've got bikes like that. Let's do that. And at 15 years old, which is like a late start now. Yeah. 
um, we just got into it. And so shortly after that, you know, one, he, he's a day younger than me. So we got our, we got our um, driver's license right at the same time. And that's when we like ventured out. It's like, oh, let's go to Boston mm. and ride in Boston for the day. And that's where it all like started. And I just, I got, yeah, I got addicted to, yeah, the challenge of learning tricks on my bike. And the endorphin release when you learned that trick mm. and you're like, ooh, like I want more. Like let's let's add a variation to that trick or whatever. And uh Pat didn't stick with it like I did. We graduated high school in 03. We drove out west. We came, we didn't come this far south, but we basically we drove all over the US. I mean, Albuquerque, Utah, Boise, Idaho, Portland, Oregon, Seattle. We rode all the concrete skate parks out out west. For an East Coast kid, that was huge. And um he kind of phased out of it. And I just stuck with it. And then uh, I started traveling to Binghamton, New York, where a company called FBM is from. And um, they make frames in-house, right, in New York, in upstate New York. So it's like an American-made bike company. And they had this really cool dark skate park in this old warehouse above their machine shop. And they would hold contests there. And I'd seen that skate park in a bunch of videos. And I was like, we got to go to that skate park. And Binghamton's like seven hours from me or something like that. So we get some friends together and we went out there and we rode the place. Uh, one day, like we we drove seven hours out, rode the whole day, and drove seven hours. Oh home. shit! Yeah, like we almost died. <laughs> what a day! It was nuts. We, well, this was in the MapQuest days. We were like, oh, it's three hours. <laughs> seven hours later, we're like we're in trouble because we didn't know anyone out there, and and there was three of us. I had a short bed, single cab Chevy, like a like a, what, an OBS Chevy, like an '88 Chevy pickup truck. There was three of us crammed in this thing. It's not like we could like comfortably sleep in the truck. But anyway, I started going out to that skate park more and started and just naturally started to get to know the FBM guys. FBM had just started a new sub company called The Take. And FBM was always known as like a party company. All the dudes were always like drinking beer around like bonfires gotcha, gotcha, and doing gotcha. like rowdy stuff on their bikes, like big drops and just like gnarly dudes, leather jacket wearing BMX riders. The Take was like almost like a straight edge crew of dudes. It was real clean cut, like more like a real clean version of FBM. Mm. And... uh and I don't drink or anything. I wasn't a straight edge kid, mm-hmm. but all the FBM guys and, and the take guys were built up of like some legendary BMX dudes. So it was it was cool for me to just be out there and like yeah, ride yeah, yeah. the same ramps with those guys. And then they started picking my brain about what I liked in a frame, you know, like what I liked in certain frame geometry. And I didn't really know at the time, but I was like, you know, I like I like doing like nose wheelie tricks. So I like a steep head tube and whatever. And, and so they came out with, the take came out with their new street frame. And I remember checking their website one day and they unveiled the new take street frame. It was called the one true Ave. And I was reading about the frame and it's talking about all the geometry. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's all the geometry I like. And, and I'm like, well, this is a really cool sounding frame. Then we get, it gets down to the bottom of the paragraph and it says this new prototype is on its way to New Hampshire to our good friend, John Ludwig. And I'm like, what? No, nobody called me. (laughs) I'm 19 years old. And I'm like, wait, what? And so I called Jarrett, oh, this, this guy, Jarrett shit. Ward. Jarrett Ward was one of the owners, or it might've been Jeff Harrington. Jeff Harrington's a legendary rider. Gotcha. And the first BMX video I ever bought, Jeff Harrington was in. And now I'm like, I like know Jeff now. Nice. And he's like, he started this new company called The Take. So I called Jeff. Jeff and Jarrett both lived in the same house, but I called one of them freaking out. I'm like, when, nobody, is that like a typo? Like nobody told me that you guys were going to give me the frame. Like, and they, he laughs and goes, yeah, we were just wondering how often you check the website. Uh-huh. And I was like, so you like, <laughs> if I didn't check the website, like, <laughs> it just was never going to show up. But that was my first pro sponsorship was like this. They played a joke on me and here I am just some kid from the wow. woods in New Hampshire. And I, I remember 
And to be honest, I haven't thought about this for a long, long time until we're talking about it now. But even talking about it now, I remember, man, it's so crazy. I remember exactly how my insides felt when I was reading that article on my computer, on like my Dell desktop with like Windows 98 on it. And I, I remember reading it and man, it was like this, this glow. You're like, whoa, like me out of everybody else that's shredding that skate park, like why me? And then, and that was like the beginning. So that was like a really, really cool. I didn't have like all these sponsor me tapes. I was sending out to yeah. every company, not caring who sponsored me just as long as mm. I got sponsored yeah. and kids that did that. That's fine too. You know, I'm not knocking that, but it just, it wasn't what it was about for me. So the fact that I got my foot in the door in that natural way, it just, it felt so crazy. It was just the That's craziest That's amazing. Thing. Yeah, dude. it was wild, man. And so from there, from there, you just kind of, you almost enter the room mm-hmm. of almost like cars. You know, we all, we know the same people. It's the same way in the BMX industry. And so I started riding for them and they were a frame company. And then I got to know some people from Florida through that. And then I got sponsored by a company called Madeira, which is owned by Profile Racing, which is out of St. Pete, Florida, another American made company. And they'd been around for a long time. And so that now I had a component sponsor, you know, wheels, mm-hmm. handlebars, stems, sprockets, all that sort of stuff. And then worked my way into UGP, which was a shoe and clothing company for a little bit. And yeah, and then over the years, just moved on to another frame company. In 2008, I was riding for a company called Versa and had the opportunity to design a signature frame, which was like wow, massive. Very like cool, that was man. like, that was like, like a climactic point in my life. I have a half page photo in BMX plus magazine in Las Vegas at the Interbike trade show holding my frame. And it says right under John Ludwig's new street frame from Versa. And I was like, this is unbelievable. You Some, still have one? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually riding it now. It's like, I, so I went on to ride the, the owner of that company buried the company. It's really kind of a tragic story, but he like made a bunch of real poor business decisions and the, the company tanked itself. And mm. it was like, Really, out of all the companies I could be riding for and having a signature frame, it didn't even get a chance to get off the ground. Ah. But after riding for a few other frame companies after that, after 2010, when I stopped riding full-time, um, I've since taken the bike apart from my last sponsor and rebuilt my signature frame. So I'm back on the frame that I designed from scratch now. So it's Very even cool. though I'm like a washed up, like old timer in the sport, because <laughs> I haven't really ridden in 10 years. Like, yeah. This is the first year I've really been back on my bike pretty aggressively. And it feels really cool to be on a bike that I designed myself. That's know? awesome, bro. It's fun. You know, um, like I was saying before uh, that I'm getting back into skateboarding. Yeah. Uh, probably about a year and a half where we've been back into it. And um, I feel it again, dude. I feel it, like dude, a kid again, bro. It never leaves your veins, man. And now that I see the skateboarding community and I'll see some of the OGs, they're still skating and they're, you know, 45 years old. I'm only 35 and I'm yep. just like... I can't use that. I can't use that card. I can't right. use that old man card yep. because, like, even Elisa Steamer, she's on Baker. She's forty-five. I was gonna say she's forty-five she's years old be. and she's still going. Wow, you know. And then now, as you see, like uh, Tony Hawk still skates. Now his son skates, and it's just yep. like this. This isn't something like maybe our parents would have thought. It's like right. ah, that's what kids do. No, yeah. it's just because our Babe Ruths weren't Babe Ruth's yet. They're still, it's still growing. It's still going. It's a new age too. It's so crazy that like, you know, 30 years ago, someone in their fifties, like wouldn't be doing something like that. Yeah. Someone in their fifties was nearing their retirement age. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy to think about because there's a lot of skaters and BMXers at the 50 mark that are still doing it. Mm -hmm. I met some dude that was in his mid sixties at the Louisville, Kentucky skate park, like 15 years ago. So like literally an old guy, 
with like full pads and a helmet. And all he was doing was dropping in and carving around the bowls. That's because that he was like 63 oh, wow. or four or something insane. And I remember being like, oh yeah, like as long as you're careful and you go easy and you know your limits, you can do that as long as your body will allow you to. Yeah. So the, the know your limits thing, that's a little hard for me. <laughs> same, same. And that's what I try to be conscious about now. Cause now when I'm on my, on my bike, I've, the common sense factor is like right in front of my eyes. I'm yeah. like, you idiot. I don't know why you did that before, but don't do it now. You know, so, but it's, it's crazy that you got into it as well. Cause we've kind of been, yeah, on the same wavelength unbeknownst to each other because yeah. it's, it's the same deal. It's like, I've almost like rediscovered it and it's crazy because it inspired a lot of my friends who also gave it up to like pick it back mm -hmm. up because this has been a weird year. You know, even, yeah. even my business slowed down significantly and I knew if I wanted to stay healthy, I needed to be outside. I shouldn't yeah. be in my house. So I, you know, my good friend, Corey, who travels with me a lot, um, you'll see him a lot on like the YouTube and like my Instagram and stuff. Uh, he grew up riding motocross, but we were in England a couple of years ago and we went to a couple of concrete skate parks with some friends at Road BMX and Corey was like, man, I think I want to buy a BMX bike when I go home. And this was a couple of years ago. And I said, dude, if you buy a BMX bike, I'm going to dust my bike off and we're going to get back to ride. Hell yeah. So we did. And now I've like this year, we rode like every weekend this year. I learned new tricks this year. Tricks that, that I no way. Tricks that I never learned Very before. Cool, yeah. Dude. Like I finally, dude, I stretch every morning, stretch every night. Like I take care of my body more now. I'm in better shape now with the exception of the aches and pains, arthritis, mm -hmm. you know, the broken bones, all the injuries are still lingering. Like I, I'm in relative pain every day just because of how bad I beat my body up. But overall health, I eat better. I like, I don't like go to the gym, but I do morning calisthenics in the house at morning and night. I stretch all the time. I drink way more water than I used yeah. to. It was like a liter of soda and like Hell Taco yeah. Bell and just go <laughs> go send it i'm like how i think of my insides and i'm like how did everything agree that this was okay <laughs> i somehow got oh, out of it without diabetes without a heart attack oh my gosh without having to get my foot amputated because i had diabetes yeah. riddled dude things body. in the 90s were different back oh then. crazy but yeah. but i mean we were, we'd be on a bmx trip they'd be like there'd be like 20 of us in a 15 passenger van with $20 to each of us yeah. for a week trip. And we we're eating like $3 That's Taco life, Bell. Man. Oh my gosh. So since you're from New Hampshire, did you ever cross paths with uh, Adam 22? Yes. Yeah. So Adam's from Nashua. Okay. And, how far and, is that from you? Um, Like an hour okay. or so. Yeah. Nashua's down near the mass border. And um, I don't remember if we originally met for the music industry, but we were both like I was playing music. I was in a couple hardcore bands and then, mm. then I turned into like my indie rock project and kind of got out of the hardcore realm. Although a lot of my friends stayed there. Boston's right next door. So Boston had a huge hardcore scene, still does. But like back in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, that's, that's what was going on. And so Adam, Adam was around the hardcore scene in the music scene and then, but he wrote BMX. And so, yeah, yeah I knew Adam just through BMX at the very, before the come up, before mm -hmm. the message board, you know, before all that stuff. Cause he was just, he was just another dude on that BMX board form I was telling you about earlier. And then he started his own thing. And then the come up got big. Cause it was like a, it was like a newer version of BMX board. And that's where everybody started hanging out. Got you. And it may, I might be wrong, but it may have just been a fluke. It's like, he just started his own message board, like blog, forum for bmx as a hangout and everybody just liked the layout better than bmx board so everybody just went there huh. and then wow. then that turned into i might have this timeline wrong because i haven't seen adam in years uh -huh. but i know what he's up to but just from other friends who still know him but it then it turned into like uh oss mm -hmm. which was like his bmx shop mm -hmm. when he moved out to la 
And so then he had like an actual BMX shop that was tied to the come up. And then he started the, the podcast. podcast. Yes. And then, then it, I think it was just the OSS or the come up podcast at mm-hmm. the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into no jumper. Yeah. And then became like this weird, like I never would have expected it to go off the rails down this like SoundCloud rapper like feature yeah, yeah, thing yeah. or whatever. I don't, I don't really listen to too much of it, but I know it's, it's, it's going gotten, in a weir- weird area right it, now. Right now. I've, I've yeah. been following Adam for probably about the last four years and he's, yep. he's kind of my motivation that, that shows me that there's an actual lane there. Because, yeah. You know, I never would have, if you had told me even once the come up came, you know, got big and, and I was still riding professionally when the come up got big. So I was kind of like, I had my finger on that pulse mm-hmm. basically. But if you if you had even told me then, like back when Adam was starting to like do a lot of big things with the come up, like one of these days he's gonna have a huge podcast, millions of followers yeah. or whatever, uh, interviewing like like rappers or whatever that generation or genre of rappers are. I'm like, no, him, yeah. no, he's like a hardcore kid. Why would he like do that? But he found that lane, and it's clearly paying dividends or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Like it's. Well, with you saying that with the uh, the message board and then him, it just seems like he's able to see opportunities and just yep. just uh, capitalize on them. Yep, and then, then that might even be chalked up to being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Or just some, yeah, just some like branch off thing that's you don't know what's going to happen, but it turns, and maybe it was all calculated, but <clears throat> sometimes it seems like some things just morph into their own yeah. thing on their own. I'd love to have him on the podcast and pick his brain one day because I think that what he did is fascinating, dude. Just yeah. I, I just put myself in his situation, okay? The BMX community is probably not as big as the automotive community. Right. So if I have my pulse on the automotive community, I, I think that I can kind of do the same sort of thing, you know? Yep. Have higher profile. I don't want to have SoundCloud rappers or anything. I wouldn't mind it, but it's just right. like ha- have higher profile guests. Yep. That's what it shows me is that somebody right. from our generation who understands like how things were before and how they are now and kind of just cooked it together and now he's just interviewing like A-list celebrities and, th- and yeah. artists and things like that. Like I would love to sit down with people that I admire and just pick their brain. Right, exactly. And that's what he seems like he's able to do. And that's so awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy where it all started, you know, because I remember, you know, we weren't we weren't real close friends. I mean, but we'd, we went on BMX trips and stuff mm-hmm. and like we obviously knew each other because we were both New Hampshire kids. But yeah, it's crazy that that's where that road took him yeah and shout out to him man his baby's supposed to be dropping shit any second now a baby oh yeah oh okay yeah his his girl she's about like two weeks after her date oh really so wow it's well, about yeah, to well, come really congratulations <laughs> yeah I, I haven't seen adam in oh my gosh if i i think it might have been like a boston session i think he was back it might have been after he moved to la and he was back visiting friends or family or both or whatever and uh Man, it was probably a 2008 or 2009. Maybe it was before he moved to California. But yeah, it might have been. It's been 10 years easily. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a Boston session. A whole bunch of the Boston kids and Adam was there. And uh, yeah. Good deal, been man. been a long time. Hell yeah, bro. There's yeah. so many possibilities out there. It's wild. It's literally wild when you think about it. Because then someone will do something and you're like, oh, that makes sense. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. And then you start racking your brain about like, what's next? What can I think of? Yeah. You know? and, and then when someone figures it out, it's like, well, duh. You know? Oh, yeah. John, you're a natural, bro. I appreciate that. 
I appreciate that because like because I don't think I, I always I'm always racking my brain. I'm like, what am I doing? No, you're like, a professional. What are we dude. doing? And but I think that's what I think that's what it takes. I think it takes like being self critical to a point, not to the point of like self destruction, but you know, being self critical and like always keeping yourself on your toes. Cause I'm yeah. always like questioning, like, is that the right move? Am I doing this right? Am I doing this to the best of my ability? Is this a waste of time or should I stick it out? And if it's inspiring, even just Jimmy, yeah. you know, we might as well do it for Jimmy. You know? Hell just, yeah. Shout just, out to Jimmy, yeah. bro. He's keeping <laughs> all, us going. All the Jimmy's <laughs> out there. All the Jimmy's out there. Keep me going. Well, man, bro. It's so good to talk to you, dude. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Let's definitely keep in touch. Um, I want to check out your business too, because that seems like something that uh, I can use your services here for sure. When you were showing me uh, the hardware room right mm -hmm. there and, and, your, and your invoices laid out, I saw your logo. And the first thing I thought I was like, dang leather key rings those, yeah. those are gonna look awesome because the way your logo was shaped i was like so i meant i didn't want to shout it out on the podcast but i was like after this like yeah i wanted to yeah let's show you some it. stuff so if somebody wanted to get stuff made by you uh, what what is usually the process for that so really i don't have a website really all I, I use is the is the instagram page and that's night laser with a z just night laser with got a z. you uh my personal instagram people reach out to me a lot there only because they you know whether or not we're just close friends and they just communicate with me on my personal one they'll you know sometimes reach out there but the night laser one is like the actual business okay Instagram got page, you but yeah. if they want to follow you and everything that you're doing and you're doing a lot bro <laughs> where, where could they follow you at doesn't it seem like do you ever feel stretched thin like yeah. you're like am i doing every too day much? yeah <laughs> every single day I'm trying to figure out if I should like cut some things loose and like focus on lesser things, but I think you just got to stick it out and then you'll know the plate, the plate grows and you're like, Oh, I got a little more yeah. room. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. Maybe there's some stuff that I should just cut out and take a breath at the last five years in a row. And I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not too, uh, stickler to like new year's resolutions, yeah. but whenever anyone asks me like, Hey, what's your new year's resolution this year? I said to manage my time better. I love it. Every year. Because every year I feel like it's a rat race. April 15th coming up. I haven't even started doing my taxes. I am not a professional. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, like It's like it's a circus. It's a 24-7 circus. I wouldn't trade it for anything. If I would trade it for anything, it would be... It, I wouldn't even want to jump ahead five years. I'd want to earn that journey, you know? But I'd like to know, like, is all that going to, like, is it... Am I going to take a few steps back? Am I going to... Am I making mm. the right decisions? You know, am I... Am I paying attention but but i think it, time management would cover everything man. i think it helps yeah i think yeah. it helps for me it's for me it's it always seems like a rat race and so it's hard for me to be like okay mondays i do this tuesdays yeah. i do that because then I'll, a job will come in saturday night and i live in a small town so i don't have like a huge social life that's why i travel a lot. that's my social life and and so like if a job if someone email emails me on like a saturday night and they're like yeah let's go for it like i'll go downstairs and turn my machine on like saturday night Hell let's go yeah. work all sunday and then that, but that means maybe Monday I can run some errands and I don't have to like be hooked to the shop, you know? So it's, it's a rat race rather than being like my dad, you know, he owned, he owned his own automotive repair shop and he owned a towing company and he's as military grade, like time, like budgeter there is. And he's like, what, what you need to do is you need to allocate this time for that, that time for that. And I'm like, yeah, I understand what you're telling me, but it's not going to happen. That yeah. way. Like I'm just going to be a bull in a China shop and whatever gets done. I've got four foot, 48 inch dry race boards in every room of my house. <laughs> I've got one in my kitchen. So I could be like doing the dishes, being like, do that. <laughs> it's the worst. But I mean, to answer your question, if anyone's hanging on waiting for social. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's not about the self-promotion. It's about wondering if I'm doing any of this right or not, because it's just a whirlwind. You know, one somebody told me one time, he said, um, the faster you run, the quicker you're going to run out of breath. It's, it's not a marathon. Slow it's and steady race. wins the race. Slow and steady, man. You it know? really does. Just take yeah. it day by day, and that's what I try to do. You know, whatever happened, whatever has to happen next week, I'm not worried about that right now. Right, I'm worried exactly. about today. Yep and tomorrow yep whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen dude. yeah that's it you know? i mean I think if i think if you can leave people with anything it's to just yeah to just relax and focus john yeah. could wait john could wait a little while for a podcast or something dude. yeah he'll be there <laughs> that, that's that's the thing because because like yeah i'm like a month out from not having one and and oh and i gotta tell you the idea i gotta tell you the idea of, of what i just got done in ocean city yeah so the toyota century long wheelbase high highest end flagship car that toyota ever made I started a mini podcast series called the podcast of the century. Oh, no way. And I held mini podcast shorts in the back of my century. Wow. So, so Anthony Purcell, Halcyon helped me film a cinematic intro to that, this mini podcast series. And I'm writing and recording my own synthwave soundtrack to the intro. And I've never written synthwave music before. So it's been kicking my rear end like real bad yeah so before i even left on this trip i was telling anthony i'm like we might just have to use a bit for it and he was kind of like it's up to you but you should probably write it because yeah. you've been blowing a lot of smoke saying that it's going to be an organic like you're writing the music and but in ocean city anthony shot lots of detail shots and rollers down the strip that we're going to use as like the same intro for all of the gotcha 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 and um and so I set up, I set up my boom arms, everything in the car, like wow. every, everything's all like hidden away and, and, you know, use wide angle cameras. So like we're sitting in the car and I, and I did podcast shorts. So it's, it's not like a two hour long drawn out thing. It's like 15 to 30 minute long yeah. podcast shorts. But, uh, but yeah, Anthony helped me shoot, shoot that. So we're on the subject of biting up more than you can chew. That's, <laughs> that's why I haven't put out a podcast episode in the month. Cause I've been like frantically trying to grind to get the, the podcast of the century like shorts yeah. out but the instagram handles yeah <laughs> of the two of uh my personal one is just uh john dot ludwig so it's j-o-h-n we'll have it below guys i appreciate that man yeah of course then the governor's club is just the governor's club spelt out that's my automotive brand that you know we do pop-up meets and like limited like shirt drops with night laser that talk about the umbrella with night laser i make all my own hard goods mm -hmm. so i do like any like wooden laser engraved uh rear mirror hangers or cup coasters or the leather key rings or you know I, I do all that stuff myself but release it with governor's club exclusive Very cool. stuff so I, I can keep everything in the house so anyone that knows me and knows the governor's club or night laser they know that like all the hard goods with the exception of like the print soft goods i make in house and i make myself it's all hand curated and all that and then um the music page since you brought it up mm -hmm. is the rising sea is the nice. name is the name of my uh my music project i love sea, it bro Dude, dude, thank you for having me on, man. Of course, man. This is an awesome conversation, this was, man. And dude, like I said, man, the drive out here to Ventura from from uh, San Fernando was, yeah. was just a, a treat. So it Hell was, yeah. It was an awesome drive out here. And dude, I, John, I appreciate it. Yeah, bro. man. Thank you for having me on. This was awesome. Of course, bro. And uh, thank you guys for listening, man. Once again, this is Downtime with Downstar, episode 216. And we're out. Peace. Peace. Bye.